Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 166. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And today's episode is going to be perfect for anyone who is craving a stronger sense of purpose in their careers. So if you're feeling stuck at a job that just does not fuel you, or if you're not quite sure how to get a paycheck from what fills you up, what fuels your purpose, today's episode and my very special guest are going to have a ton of of insight for you and actionable steps that you can put to use right away. But before we dive in, I want to make sure you saw that I'm headed to Los Angeles, California for our next Bossed Up Bootcamp, November 16 and 17. A couple weeks before the holiday season kicks off, you are cordially invited to spend a powerful Saturday and Sunday with me in a community of courage where you can focus on you before the rest of the year becomes all about focusing on everyone else in our lives and all our loved ones. So if you're craving support in navigating a career transition, if you want to take your career and life to the next level but aren't sure what that looks like, this is the weekend for you. But you don't have to take my word for it. Here's what three of our recent Bossed Up Bootcamp alums had to say about the program that we just wrapped up in Washington, D.C. earlier this month, just a few weekends ago. One said, quote, this weekend was transformative for me. I'm feeling inspired and ready to take leaps like I never thought I could. Another said, quote, love this weekend. This is not your normal feel-good conference. You end up with great takeaways, to-dos, and follow-up. And finally, quote, this weekend is fantastic for anyone who's feeling like they're uninspired in their professional life. We'll be in LA next month, then we'll be back in California for our first San Francisco boot camp in the first weekend of February 2020, and then keep your ears and eyes out for more announcements for 2020 boot camps in Denver, DC, New York, and elsewhere in the year to come. Head to bossstep.org slash bootcamp for all the details. All right, let's dive into today's conversation about pursuing your purpose in your career. And this was inspired by a member of our community, Laquanda, who posted in the Courage community in early September saying this, quote, I've been with my current employer for six months and will be having a review. I've realized that while I love my company, I don't feel the same way about my role. I knew about three months in, but wanted to give myself some time to adjust. I went from a community-focused role in a high-stress environment to a support role in a low-stress environment. I thought I would enjoy the change of pace, but I do not. My manager and I discussed growth opportunities early on. My role is brand new, so there's no next step, really. I'm looking for advice about how to discuss this with my manager. I don't want to leave the company, but really need work that I'm passionate about, and office management just doesn't cut it. 
I'll add that my manager has given me some small projects that she thinks is a bigger deal than they are, but I usually end up knocking them out fairly quickly. I guess I'm experiencing support fatigue. I didn't think that doing nothing would be so tiring. Ooh, Laquanda, thank you so much for weighing in with this career conundrum. It reminds me actually of our episode about being bored at work that I'll link to in today's show notes as well. Joining me here today to help break this down is Deanna Singh, who is a leading authority in building innovative opportunities within underserved communities. As the chief change agent and founder of Flying Elephant, Deanna is a highly respected thought leader who spent almost 20 years researching designing, and building asset-based solutions to complex social challenges. She's going to tell us more about what that means soon. Today, she travels the world inspiring and educating audiences. She's held leadership positions with Domen Constellations, the Burke Foundation, the Robert W. Baird Foundation, Milwaukee Renaissance Academy, Legal Action of Wisconsin, and the Milwaukee Street Law Project. Singh has also served as an adjunct professor at Marquette University graduate and law school, was recently featured as a TEDx speaker, and just released her first business book, Purposeful Hustle, last fall. And I want to talk a lot more about that book in today's conversation. Deanna, welcome to the Boss Up Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really happy to be here. So let's start off by really talking about Purposeful Hustle. I want to dive right into what your book is all about because a lot of bosses listening to this podcast are always wondering, can I get paid for what I feel like is my purpose here on earth? What is the whole premise behind the book and how did you come about writing it? Fantastic. Well, thank you so much uh, for letting us start there because I am super passionate about this idea of purpose and this idea of hustle. And I absolutely think the question is that, yes, you can get paid to be in your purpose and you should because that's the most fun place <laughs> to be. Uh, so so the book Purposeful Hustle, it's really kind of two concepts that I think are really important. The best part of it, you know, we throw that word around a lot. And what I mean by purpose, though, is what are you uniquely positioned to do in the world. So just like we all have our our own fingerprints, right? And we use it to open up our cell phones and do all kinds of cool techie things. I think that that's how purpose is too. We all have this unique set of experiences and opportunities and things we've learned and things we're passionate about that make our purpose really unique. So what is that? And how are we uniquely positioned to do some different things in the world? So that's what I mean by purpose. Let's pause there for a moment because I remember a quote from Steve Jobs. I think he was giving a keynote speech at um, commencement at Stanford when he said, you know, it's really easy to look backwards in your career and connect the dots retroactively. Yes. Of saying, oh, yes, I was uniquely positioned to make the most of that. I was uniquely prepared to have this impact and make this purpose-driven sort of career happen, it's really hard to see that from the other direction, right? (laughs) Like we can draw, we can connect the dots retroactively. What do you say to the thousands of women who say to me, I don't know what my purpose is. Oh, I love that question, first of all, because I think Steve Jobs was absolutely right, right? It is easy to look backwards. And I think that that is actually the number one step in figuring out Mm. how to move forward. Because a lot of times we spend, you know, reacting to things in the moment. We spend time trying to respond to what's going on here and now. And what we don't do is we don't take the time to do some reflection. 
and really take the time to think about, okay, you know, I had this experience in this sector. I got this education. I loved when I was doing this community work. What is a way that I could tie all of the things that I've done in the past together in a new way that's going to move me forward? Right. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of times what we do is we're just responding to here and now, and we're not really taking the time to pause and take some reflection and think about what is it that I loved? When was I most yeah. ignited? Right. When I, when was I like on fire and could do that, that forever? <laughs> what did that look like? What did it feel like? Oh, it's so interesting because I hear that a lot at our program, Bossed Up Bootcamp, our weekend long program that I host all over the country for women navigating career transition. But I'm also reminded of what a privilege it can be, especially yes. in our hyper connected, hyper fast paced society that we're in now, you know, a lot of women who come to Boss Up Bootcamp and find themselves reflecting in that way say to me, oh my gosh, I have not done this. I have not paused to take a moment to turn inwards in 10 years yes, or five years or a year. And, you know, that, that revolutionary act is the most boring and non-Instagrammable form of self-care, <laughs> right? It's like looking within yourself, reflecting. Yes. It's like homework for the soul. Oh, yes. It's not glamorous, but you're so right. It's, it can be revolutionary. You know, it was so funny that you say that because I was with a group of people just this week and they said to me, how do you find a day? Yeah, you know, it was a room full of executives. How do you find a day? Because I talk in the book about taking a day or in, in this case, I'm going to send people to you, right? Like taking a weekend and doing this reflection and people will say like, how do I find the time? And my response to them is, well, you know what? Because you haven't set the time aside, you're it means you're saying, number one, that it's not a priority. And number two, because you haven't set the time aside, you're actually wasting time. Because believe me, you are spending time, right? Churning right. in your head. Right. So it's five minutes, it's 10 minutes, it's 15 minutes. It's that night you can't get to sleep. It's the discomfort that you're feeling walking into an unfulfilling job or into different relationships that aren't moving you forward. It's whatever. And because you're doing that and you're turning yourself and you're burning yourself out and you're depleting your energy, you're actually wasting more time than if you were to say, no. I owe this to myself. I'm going to give myself the gift of taking the time to reflect yeah. on where I'm at. You would actually be saving time, right? So it seems like, it, you know, I can't afford it, but actually not only can you afford it, but you're doing something way more expensive by not taking the time. Right. You can't not afford to take That's that time. Right. And it's a hard message to hear for working class folks. Yeah. Right? I grew up in a household where money was scarce, where time was scarce. And in so many ways, financial freedom equals time. Yes. Right. Ex exactly. But I almost wonder if you want to share based on, on your upbringing in your household, which you described so beautifully in your TEDx talk, like where is the hidden privilege in pursuing a purpose-driven career and how can that support everyone? Like how can that message apply to everyone regardless of, of financial privilege or, or upbringing or mindset that you might have come into this world with when it comes to money and time and freedom? You know, I do think a lot of people will say, well, this is following your purpose is a privilege. And please, I want to make sure that you, your listeners, everybody understands that I recognize that there is a lot of privilege in being able to, to be in your purpose and how much time you can be in your purpose. But I don't think that it's just a, an extravagant thing. I actually think it's a, a necessity. There's a lot of different ways that you can measure whether or not you're successful and whether or not you're whole, whether or not you're rich. And one of the ways is in how much peace you have internally. 
I think a lot of times when we're pursuing that next dollar, it's so much harder when we don't have internal peace. So, you know, taking the time to understand where you're purposed and where you're passionate and being able to be rich in that space of peace of mind, peace of soul. Yes. Right. When you get to that place, then it's, it is easier. It, <laughs> yes. it, I mean, it just is easier to be able to find yeah. that wealth component to it too, right? The financial component to it too. And again, I can understand the struggle. I realize like people have bills to pay. You have to get your rent. (laughs) You have to do all of those other things. But we are finding time for things that are not purposeful. We're finding time for Netflix. We're finding time for Facebook, right? (laughs) We're finding time for... And so so it's not so much a lack of time. It's just, are you going to prioritize it? When you were speaking to peace, I could not help but think back to this time in my life where, and I kind of love how you're expanding the definition of wealth for a moment, because I think that's a really important consideration for anyone planning their next career move. But I remember I was in a very challenging point in my life. I was going through a really rocky transition, both career-wise and leaving a really toxic relationship. And I remember taking a morning walk in the woods near where I was basically couch surfing with my dog and sitting down at a park bench and just taking a moment to meditate on peace because I was recovering from a very peace poor time in my life. And that is all I wanted was that kind of internal peace you just described. That's all I really wanted moving forward. And it was in taking those moments of stillness for myself that I was able to establish, you know, and also also doing lots of other terrible, hard, challenging work, but starting from that intention of what am I aiming for here? I'm not aiming for millions of dollars. I'm not aiming for overnight success. I'm aiming for peace. I'm aiming for internal satisfaction, stability, basic needs being met. And that's a really powerful word you just used and a powerful place to get started for anyone. And going for that walk in the woods didn't cost me any money. You know what I mean? It's just a reminder that it is more accessible than sometimes we think it is. That's exactly like the second component of it. In the book, I talk about purpose being the first thing and hustle being how you show up in the world. So how right. how does your purpose like show up in the world? And I, what I will tell you is that I know a lot of very wealthy people who have bank accounts that would make a lot of people incredibly jealous and they're miserable. And I know other people who are meeting all their basic needs. They travel, right? Maybe they're not staying at the five-star hotel, but they're staying at the three-star hotel. But they're having these amazing experiences. They have fantastic relationships. Their bank accounts are stable. And if I had to choose between the two, this extravagant bank account with all this money, but a super unhappy person or a person who's solid, right? Is caring for themselves, caring for their family, not worried about their next paycheck, but doing great, doing the things that that bring them joy, living comfortably, living within their means. I would choose the second one. And so I think like that's the perspective. And so when I talk in the book, the second concept in the book is all about hustle. And it is about how do we get past those challenges? How do we get past that fear? How do we get past, Mm. you know, not having enough money to do what we think we need to do? How do we get past, just how do we get past the challenges that often get in our, how do we find the time? The challenges that often get in the way of us being able to fulfill our purpose. And how did this question become one that you wanted to answer? There was two things that were happening in my life at the time. The first was I had so many people who were calling to ask for coffee, lunch, dinner, right? And I could not meet the demand that was being put on my calendar, but I also didn't Mm. want to say no. So there was an efficiency thing there. I thought, 
man, I've made so many mistakes. I want people to be able to stand on my shoulders and jump to higher heights. So let me put them all down in, in on paper. Right. <laughs> then that'll be like an efficient way for me to say yes to more people. And, and that was going on. But the other thing was much more altruistic. The other thing that was going on is I, you know, was just thinking like I was spending a lot of time reflecting on this question of what is at the root of solutions? Like how, how, how do we get past these and things that people say can never change in our communities? How has that happened in the past? And I kept coming back to when people are unleash their purpose, when they put their passions to work, when they're in that space, that's where we see change happen. So I was like, on the one hand, I want to be more efficient and make sure that I'm giving people full responses <laughs> to their questions and, and all of that. And I don't want to say no. And on the other hand, it was like, wow, if I did this and more people could take what they already have inside themselves and unleash that, how powerful would that be? And so I, I came up with a theory of change. If more people are living in their purpose, and we could make a And it's a good reminder that sometimes that which is good strategically is also good morally. They're not always at odds. So I like I like the point here, which is, this is better strategically for my getting my advice out there and my experiences out there. And maybe it's better for the whole world at large. Yeah. So what was the process like? What did you come up with in terms of takeaways for how to how to help people manifest their purpose and hustle? What does that look like? <laughs> so for me there, you know, it was so funny because I, I looked at two decades worth of like conversations that I'd had with people. So essentially the conversation mm. was, we'd have this great conversation. Somebody would tell me what they were dreaming about doing. I'd get all pumped up. They'd be pumped up. I'd see them a week <laughs> later. I'd see them a month, five years, whatever later. And I'd, I'd say like, so that thing we were talking about, like, how's it going? And they'd say, well, you know, what had happened was, <laughs> and I wrote down all the reasons, right? Whatever followed that. What, so what had happened was, right? Like whatever followed that, I wrote those things down. And there were four characteristics that just kept coming up as things that they could use or they didn't end up using or that I would coach them on to get past that. And they were initiative, resiliency, curiosity, and courage. And I feel like if those four things, and people are always like, well, those are things that you just have. No, they're not. There are things that you have to practice, no, no, no. right? Like. You have totally. to practice. And so in the book, I just lay out, here are some ways that you can practice those four characteristics. Like that's your hustle. And here's what you can do to practice it. Here's some things that you can do to really challenge yourself in those spaces. Here, here's some mistakes that I've made. So don't do those. So that's the way that I've been uh, trying to coach people in those spaces. I love that. So I want to look at that framework and apply it to Laquanda's situation here specifically. Sure. So she finds herself in a job where she feels underutilized and frankly, a little bit bored. And for the record, one of the most downloaded podcasts I've ever created is called Bored at Work? <laughs> <laughs> and so this is definitely an issue for folks, like feeling underutilized and like they're just dialing it in and working for the weekends. Where do you begin coaching someone or advising someone with this framework of resiliency, initiative, courage, and curiosity to take the next step in solving that problem. So I think that this is a very common issue. When you're not in this space, sometimes you you wish. Like, I definitely have had times where I'm like, yeah. ah, <laughs> I wish my job, I could just like float in, float out, right? <laughs> like I want some of my brain capacity back. But then when you're in the moment, you're like, this is the worst thing ever. So <laughs> I can totally... 100% appreciate it. I've heard it so many times. I've been there before. It's no fun to be in a job where you don't feel like you're being challenged. So I think the number one thing that I would say to her is first figure out what is it that you're trying to do? 
Because if you don't know what you're trying to do and you don't know what your purpose is, it's really hard to try and find that fulfillment in some other place. So take the time, go to a bust up weekend, do whatever, read the book, like go and spend some time reflecting on what is it you're trying to achieve. Because once you have a really clear understanding of what your purpose is, and by really clear, I don't mean it has to be crystal clear. I just mean you have to be able to articulate it to yourself, to other people. Then it becomes easier to act in that space. So that's the first thing that I would do is I would say, you know, kind of understand like what your purpose is. And in reading her question, it seemed really clear to me that whatever the purpose is, it's going to be tied to something in her community, like what she feels like she's missing and what she doesn't like about her job is that she's disconnected from community. So whatever the purpose is, is probably going to tie her back to that community once she, you know, has fully articulated it. Yeah. Before we move on, I just want to highlight for folks who are feeling like I've tried and I'm afraid. Yes. (laughs) Right. Like I have a lot of women say, oh my God, I just articulated something I deeply desire that I never articulated before. And I am so immediately afraid. (laughs) Right. Right. Because like on the other side of desire is just fear of like not making it happen. And people I call it vision vertigo. They kind of freak mm, out when they get their vision <laughs> or they articulate it. And so I just want to tell folks who are listening, like if you are pushed in this way, which we both encourage you to be pushed in that way, know that a little bit of healthy fear is okay because the next steps are going to help you get out of analysis paralysis and actually get moving. Absolutely. And action, right, is the antidote of anxiety. I heard that at the Pennsylvania Conference on Women, I I was speaking on our panel last week and someone said, action is the antidote of anxiety. And I was like, wow, that is brilliant. It is brilliant. I agree with you like a 100%. And actually that fear is one of the things I talk about practicing. You have to practice this courage. Like, and so in the book, again, some great examples of just what you can do and some real tools. You know, one of my favorite ones is to say, oh, I'm so afraid. And so I'm like, great, write down everything you're afraid of, like a little chart. The first thing, write down everything you're afraid. So you're afraid you're going to fall when you walk into your boss's office. Write that down. You're afraid that you're going to say the wrong thing. Write that down. You're afraid that you won't make enough money. Write that down. And then in the second column, what I tell people to do is to rate it. Is that really a high, medium or low failure? A lot of times we will have something just circling in our mind. Boom, it comes again. It comes again. Here it comes again. For example, this one, I think I'm going to fall when I walk into the office because I'm going to be so paralyzed with fear. They're like, oh, okay. Was that a high, medium or a low? Well, I've actually never fallen in the office before. So it's probably a low, right? But it's in my head. Mm. So I'm going to write it down and Mm -hmm. I'm going to put it on paper. And so you're like, okay. So then you go to the third category and you say, well, what's something you could do to mitigate that? Like what's something you could do so that it, doesn't come to pass? Is there anything that's in your control? There might be a lot of it that's not, but what can you do? Well, maybe you'll wear flats. Maybe instead of waiting until your boss is in the office, you'll meet your boss in another space where you're already seated. So you don't have to worry about falling down, right? And so you can take that thing if it was Mm -hmm. a high, medium or low, and you can move it down a notch or you can eliminate it altogether. And so often, instead of us, when we don't write it down, we just let it kind of play around in our head and it becomes bigger than it actually is. So calling it out. So there's lots of examples of things that you can do that are like that, that I think move something from being so overwhelming to something that really puts you in a position where you can take action. Isn't it interesting how much less scary your fears are when they're not abstract? Yes. Right? (laughs) Fear of failure in the abstract is totally paralyzing. 
and you're like, I'm afraid to fail. Like, yes, yeah, so are all of us, right? right? But when you get down to it, I love the method you just laid out because it really can help you get real about fear. And then you can look at that fear in the eye and be like, I can handle this, right? There's a, an empowerment and an agency you can identify through getting very specific. I love that. Right. And a lot of times, you know, we, we, we assume we're really good at making up these horror movies in our head. Right. So what if you did fall? If you mm-hmm. fell, the person you went to go meet with would probably help you get back up. And you'd have a good laugh and you'd have a good story and it would break the tension. So it probably isn't even actually the worst thing that could happen. Yeah. Uh, You know, so I think it it is. It's really funny once you move it from the abstract. So after figuring out what her purpose is, the second thing that I would say to Laquanda is I would say, go ahead and write down what your job description should be. Because one of the things that she was talking about is that, you know, this is a new role. She wasn't sure it was going to turn out this way, that her boss has been trying to give her things, but they're not really pushing her far enough. And she's just bored. So I would write out, what is the most exciting thing that you could be doing? What would you add to your job? What would that title be? What would that pay be? What would your day look like? And write it out so that you can fully visualize what it is. And then I would put together a very tangible plan. And it doesn't have to be something that's beautiful, just something maybe it has three points to it. I would like to do this project for the next quarter. By the end of the year, I would like to be doing this. And by the end of the year, I would like this. Because putting it out there and sharing with her boss, these are the things that I would like to do. And here's the timeline that I think is associated with it. Here's maybe the title and the pay that would come with that. And here's what the plan would look like. And here's how it would benefit you. And I've laid it out in a process that allows us to build into this would be amazing. And if she's with the right kind of leader and the kind of leader that you want to be with, that leader will be like, thank you. Right. I was going to say not... Not everybody can do that. And knowing your audience is key. Right. But yeah, I think the right leadership can make that work. Um, And even if it doesn't, right? Like it doesn't, it's not a deal breaker if her current boss isn't the kind of boss that's going to be able to make that work. Having a plan is just so key for getting to action, right? As soon as you see it, if you go and you're, and the worst case, right? They say, no, we're not interested, Or you realize, no, I don't have the kind of person who could do this. Well, now what you've done is you've laid out your plan for where you're going next. Right. Totally. You know, I made a comment last week when I was giving a talk at a tech company in Boston. I was up in front of a group of about 50 or so. This is like the women at initiative at this tech company. And I said, I have an unpopular opinion, burn your vision boards. And there was like an audible gasp in the room. (laughs) Because little did I know that the woman who hired me for this gig, like the head of the women at group, had just led them all in a vision board exercise (laughs) at the start of the year. And she made kind of a big deal out of it. And I said, whoa, 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 let me back up here. And here's what I would say. You know, research shows that having a clear vision is an important first step, just like you're saying, write your job description, write your ideal role. But for those who end the process there with just the vision board and over-invest in focusing on the end destination, there's a healthy amount of behavioral psychology out there that shows those folks are actually less motivated, less productive than the folks who have a clear vision and take the time to invest in clarifying their plan. 
it can actually be counterproductive, right? Your brain almost gets tricked into feeling like you've already achieved it and not knowing how to get from point A to point Z can be extremely anxiety inducing. And so I, I, I backed up <laughs> my, my unpopular opinion with a bunch of research, but it was still, it's still controversial to say you have to go beyond the vision and make the plan. Right. Absolutely. Because it's, it is very, very challenging to know where you want to go. And it can be frustrating to know where you want to go, but not have any steps laid out in front of you. That's another thing we talk about in, in the book too. How do I come up with a plan? Because people will get stuck there. I have people who will say, oh, I'm working on a business plan. You see them a month later, business plan, five months later, business plan, right? Or my right, vision board right. or my whatever. And you're like, no, you're not. Th that has just now become like an excuse that is an acceptable one. And so you're using it. You're trying to convince other people that that's you know, where you're at. When a lot of those things, the planning can, can be so much easier than the action. And so we get stuck there. And so I tell people, if you don't know all the steps, that's fine. Yeah. Do you know what the next step is? Mm. Do that, right? And make the next step so easy. Make it be something that's like 15 minutes or less. Yeah, that's a really good piece of advice. Tell me more about the curiosity component too, because it sounds like that might be related. Yes. So the curiosity one is, this is what happens a lot of times with people, again, because we like to plan, we like to research, it's easier than action. And so it's really important to be curious, but sometimes we can be so curious that we are preventing ourselves from moving forward, <laughs> right? Because we find a rabbit hole that's connected to another rabbit hole, that's another rabbit hole. And pretty soon we've got this whole colony of rabbit holes and we forgot that what we were even trying to get at in the first place. And so it can feel, it can make something feel overwhelming too. Like, oh, this is too big. I'm not smart enough. I need to get another degree. I need to, you know, all these other things. And I love learning. I think it's really important. I think it's an important part of the process. But what we talk about in the book is how do you stay curious, but how do you put some limitations on your curiosity Ooh. so that it doesn't yes. get in the way of you being able to move forward? Yes. So is that by date? Is that by items that you're going to do? Is that by having a list of 10, getting through that and then taking an action and then making a new list? Like, what is it going to be so that you don't get stuck in action? Right. Like the research phase of the job seekers that I hear from, they're like, I'm just, I'm making progress on my job search by researching and researching and researching some more. And I'm like, stop. <laughs> Right. right. It's time to get out there and put yourself out there and do the vulnerable work. But it's funny. I think this builds into part of the reason why women have been so successful academically is that yes. we know how to follow directions. We are very invested in following the rules and we've been praised for it our entire lives and conditioned to be goody, you know, good girls. And I think you're right in that it's the time limits that you describe can be helpful in setting some barriers as to preparation. You can only prepare for so long until you have to venture out there and feel the, the vulnerability, like the straight up fear and have the courage to move forward anyway and follow your curiosity anyway. It's so much easier said than done. <laughs> can you share an example? All these things, all these things are, but you know what's so fun? And I can say for a fact is that it does get easier. Ah, once you get better at it. Interesting. Tell me more about that. Right? Oh, so, you know, even this like idea of failure, I'm, I'm doing a, a vlog series right now where I talk about my fails of me. So it's not my resume. It's my fails of me, like the things that I have failed at sometimes <laughs> yeah. repetitively, right? And what I've learned. And one of the things that, you know, I tell people all the time when I was little, I used to be 
incapacitated with fear. So if I didn't think I could do something perfectly, like it was really hard for me to do it at all. And I had to get to a place where not only was I excited about failure, right? And I talk about in the book, like how do you get excited about failure, but where I was trying to be the best at failing I could possibly be, right? Like I wanted that, I wanted that to be a market (laughs) differentiator for me Yeah, because everybody's going to fail. So how can I do it really, really well, spectacularly, (laughs) right? Yeah. And so like now it's like, I feel I'm like, yes. Wait, so you've got to tell us about one at least, like give us the goods. What is a spectacular failure? Oh yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) I I would love to. So right now I just did a, a talk this week about this. So I am in the process of trying to get a book traditionally published Mm. and I'm super excited about it. It's really scary. One of the things that I've done over the course of this last year is I have rewritten that book three times. Yes. And this is not like a, you know, 20,000 page. This is like, you know, I think right now it's like at a hundred thousand words, you know, at one point it was like 145,000 words and I had to scrap the entire thing and start over from the beginning. I know you feel my pain, right? Ouch. Ouch. I I feel some tears. (laughs) I'm going to shed a tear for you over here. Thank you. Thank you. I still feel the pain. And so I tell people it's important, like feel that pain, be in your feelings. Like that is real. That's an important part of the process. But instead of being like, oh man, now I'm like, you know, I had that moment. I, it was not just a moment. It was like a week where I was just mad. Like, I cannot believe I did this. I can't believe I have to do it again. I can't believe I have to do it again and again. Right. Like right. three times. But now it's way better. Yeah. I feel so much more confident about where it's at. I know that I'm getting where I wanted to to be. I know it's going to be a better product. Right, right, right. And yeah. it's going to help more people. And so... Got to kind of figure yeah. out like, okay, well, it sucked. It does suck. It, it's, you know, present tense sucking to have to do it again, right? Yeah. But I'm excited about it. And so now it's like, yeah, I've written a book. I actually wrote this one three times. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's such a healthy reminder to hear that at different stages in your career too. Because I think as we rise, as visibility becomes more of an issue, as managing perception becomes more of an issue. And let's be fair, like it is an issue. You know, because women's failures and the failures of people of color are not viewed the same way, right? We're not given the same second chances that other people with more privilege are in our in our society. So, you know, I think as we become more visible, there's this natural inclination to downplay our failures and emphasize our successes. So until you hear from someone directly or through a podcast, it can you can start to actually get the false impression that people at the top aren't failing when that's never the case. It's just, and so long way of me saying, I appreciate you sharing that vulnerably because there are lots of people out there that admire you and what you're doing and lifting as we climb, which is what we say here all the time at Bazed Up, means sharing our successes and sharing our failures and reminding everybody that we're all in this together. None of us are perfect, which is easier said than done. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's really hard too, because people always talk about their mountaintops. Yeah. And people always want to want to talk about our mountaintops. And I worked hard to get to the top of that mountain. You did too, right? All the people listening have worked hard to get to the top of our mountains, but that's not what defines us. It's the valleys that define us. 
right? It's the pe- people want to come to us because of the valleys that we've been yeah. in. Yeah, I love the Midwestern accent that's coming out as you say that because it's, Ooh, it's like it's thank such you. A, you're from you are based in Milwaukee, is that right? I am based in Milwaukee. Oh man, yeah. When you talk in about Wisconsin. values, I'm a, okay, right, 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 Milwaukee, right? Oh my gosh, that's so wild. I love it, but those good Midwestern values are coming out, and I believe you. <laughs> so. I've got one last question for you here. And it really, it has to do with everything you've discussed already about purpose. When did you realize that part of your purpose would be in helping other people find theirs? And what made you uniquely positioned to do this work and write this book and and do what you do? You know, I think that, again, it's a culmination of a lot of different things. But for me, one of the big ones is just that I've been wildly blessed to be able to have leadership roles in so many different sectors. Just if you look at my my LinkedIn profile or you look at my, my CV, you'd see like, wow, the, what is this woman doing? She's like all over the place. Crushing it. You know, but one of the things that has always been true for me is that I've always been able to make decisions based off of what my purpose is. And I've defined my purpose really early in life as shifting power to marginalized communities. So if you go back through and you look at all my stuff and you look at all the places I've been and where I spend my time, both personally and professionally, then you see that that rings true, right? Because that's something that really is a major part of how I make my decisions on the big things and how I make my decisions about the small everyday things. Because I've been able to do that and because I've learned a lot in that process, because I've stayed really committed to it, even when it was super hard to do it, I think that that's why I've been able to be in all these different places in these different positions. And so I think what makes me uniquely positioned to do this work is that I know how good it feels. I could never be doing work that wasn't related back to my purpose and because I've lived it, right? I, I feel like that's where this isn't something like I have to, I don't have to get a degree in purpose. I, I've lived this, right? And because I've lived this, I think then it adds that level of authentic, both being able to talk about the the wins and the highs of that, but also the lows of that. That's what I think yeah. makes me uniquely positioned to do this is that I, this is what I do. <laughs> this is how I live. <laughs> I love it. And by way of follow up, Why is shifting power to marginalized communities something that matters to you? Because I don't think that we will be able to make the changes that we want to see in the world if we don't get out of the way. I think that all of the answers that we need to every problem that we have right now, we actually have all the answers. I think we have all of the intelligence. I think we have all the resources. I think we have all of the money. I think right now there is power dynamics that keep those things from coming into fruition. And so I don't think that we need to do anything that's like anything that could be more important than being able to make sure those who have that capacity within them, have that purpose within them, get to live in that space. I don't think there could be anything more important than that work. I love it. You you sound so much like an organizer. You're speaking to all my <laughs> community organizer roots. I love it so much. Deanna, thank you. Thank you. So much thank you. This has been so much fun. Your time. So much fun. The chief change agent herself. I love it. Where can our ladies keep up with you? And I'll obviously drop links to all kinds of good stuff about you in today's show notes, but 
where should they follow you? Yeah. So if you go to Deanna Singh, that's D-E-A-N-N-A-S-I-N-G-H.com, you can sign up to get the weekly vlogs, you know, see the Purposeful Hustle book. Hopefully that other book will get published or I will pick up an agent uh, in the next year yeah. or so. And then you'll be able to kind of stay abreast of that. I'm doing right now, like I said, a vlog series all about failing. And every week it's a new failure that I want to share with people and what Ooh. I learned from it and kind of some of the skills. So yeah, go sign up, Amazing. you know, sign up for the vlog and and then you'll get some weekly some weekly knowledge drops. And I really love it. Like my favorite thing about when people sign up is that if you like like us on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram, any any of these accounts or Twitter, my favorite thing is that I actually really love learning from other people too. So I like to hear how people are hustling in their purpose and how they're using the techniques and the resources like Bossed Up. That's how we heard about Bossed Up. One of our listeners was like, you should check out this amazing woman and her podcast, right? I get to learn too. So <laughs> I love it. That is where the magic happens. Love it. Could not have said it better myself. Thank you so much, Deanna, for being here. Thank you. To learn more, head to today's show notes at bossedup.org slash episode 166. And now it's time for this week's boss move moment of the week. We've got another boss move here that came in via the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook. If you haven't joined me there already, make sure you do. I'll drop a link to the group in today's show notes. And I want to give a special shout out to Darlene. Here's what Darlene had to say. I'm feeling like a boss tonight. I grew up in an era when women did not ask for what they want. It was considered forward. Well, today, after my annual eval, because I teach at a community college, I initiated negotiations to be compensated for a huge project, which will be in addition to my regular duties. My boss was surprised, but agreed to support my request with the next level of administration. I feel great. Congratulations, Darlene. And thank you so much for sharing your come up story. It feels so good to not only initiate negotiations, which is such a boss move, but to be validated with the support of your superiors. So congratulations. I'm so happy to hear you're making progress in this direction. For anyone who's looking for advice on how to initiate your own negotiations or make the most of this end of year season when a lot of people are being evaluated in a lot of different ways, make sure to head to bossstep.org slash negotiation to see all the best negotiation resources we have for you there. So if you've got a boss move to share or a career conundrum you want me to unpack on the podcast next, call it in. The Bossed Up Podcast hotline is waiting for you at 910-668-BOSS. That's 2677. I'm still out on my honeymoon this week, but I recorded this episode for y'all in advance to keep Boston in your earbuds. But I will be back in the office in earnest, October 21st. In the meantime, share this episode with the folks in your world who you know could use it. And my team is standing by to help lift as we climb along the way. And as I always say, I think today's episode makes it more appropriate than ever. Keep bossing in pursuit of your purpose and together we'll lift as we climb. <laughs>